Welcome once again to the Thursday edition of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. How is everybody doing? Happy to be here as we've got a great show today. I'm going to have Thrift Barringer and Zach DeBozard on the show. Just a reminder that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key, out of Noonan. Brought to you by Active Pest Control, The Mold Man, and Wishbone Fried Chicken. We've got a lot to talk about on the show. Sweet 16 matchups in college basketball. The Hawks blow a 10-point lead, and they see their playoff hopes slipping away. And the Columbus State baseball and softball team are doing pretty good. This is episode 587 on a Thursday, March the 23rd, 2023. And let's get the show started. Sweet 16 action tonight in college basketball. You know, 12 out of the 16 teams have never won a championship. This is fascinating because in the Sweet 16, you don't have the traditional blue bloods that make the Final Four just about every year. Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, and Kentucky. They're not here. But you do have, I would call them second-tier blue bloods, like a UConn, like a Michigan State. And anytime you have Tom Izzo, who makes this tournament every year, you can't count out Michigan State, even as a number seven seed. Michigan State can make a deep run. Well, they're up first, taking on Kansas State tonight. I know Kansas State is a number three seed, and they beat Kentucky, and they play in a very tough Big 12 conference. But there is a reason why Michigan State is a slight favorite. Then you have Arkansas and UConn. Can Eric Musselman and his excessive celebrations, which I love, can the Arkansas Razorbacks make it to a third straight Elite Eight? This is the type of team that could break through and win a championship. It reminds me of those Arkansas Razorback teams from the mid-90s that won the championship in 1994, led by Corliss Williamson, Corey Beck, and Scotty Thurman. And then they turned around and went to the championship game in 95. However, they did lose to UCLA. Then you got Florida Atlantic. A lot of people didn't think that Florida Atlantic would be here. They had an incredible regular season, 33-3. and By default, they're here because they did defeat Fairleigh Dickinson. But they are taking on a Tennessee team, trying to make it to the Elite Eight for the first time since 2010. Can Tennessee make it to the Final Four? Tennessee has been up and down all year. They've already lost 10 games. And I admit, I did not give the respect that Tennessee deserves. I picked Louisiana to upset them in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And then the game of the night. I'm definitely going to stay up and watch this game. Gonzaga in UCLA, a rematch of that Final Four game where Jalen Suggs hit the buzzer beater. I also remember UCLA and Gonzaga back in 2006, Adam Morrison crying on the court. UCLA going on to take on Florida in the championship game. And I think this is a rivalry. These two West Coast powerhouses, UCLA making it to the Final Four in 2021 as a number 11 seed, Gonzaga making it to two championship games, but not breaking through, cannot get over the hump and win a championship. What Mark Few has done since 1999 is absolutely incredible. Before Mark Few got there, 
Gonzaga was an unheard of conference program. Remember, Pepperdine was the better team in the West Coast Conference. You had Santa Clara making it to the tournament, Loyola Marymount, San Francisco. Nobody heard of Gonzaga until Mark Few got there. 1999, when they defeated Stanford and they went all the way to the Elite Eight, that put Gonzaga on the map. And I believe Gonzaga's got the best player left in this tournament. Drew Timmy. Yes, it's Timmy time in Vegas. I cannot wait for that matchup. Gonzaga-UCLA tonight. A number three seed taking on a number two seed. Sometimes I like it when Chalk makes it to the Sweet 16 because you see these dream matchups. But you do have a mixture of Cinderella and a mixture of Chalk. So if you're a college basketball fan, you get the best of both worlds. And the games tomorrow, you got San Diego State taking on Alabama. I like Alabama in this matchup because... They are the best team in college basketball, and they have the best player, Brandon Miller. Miami taking on Houston. Miami is a very sneaky team, but Houston has been there before. Marcus Sasser, if he's 100%, I think that Houston wins this game. Princeton and Creighton. Who would have thought that Princeton would have made the Sweet 16? And Creighton has always been a consistent team. Uh, Back in their days with Doug McDermott, Creighton has always been a historic consistent basketball program. Same with Xavier. They're taking on Texas. When is Texas going to break through? I know they have an interim coach. Texas has been one of these teams that's ready to win a championship or at least get to the final four. They've been there before and they've had some great players over the years. And on the women's side, I mean, what can you say about South Carolina? I think that it's them versus the field. Can't wait for tonight. All right, NBA action last night. I actually stayed up and I watched the Golden State Warriors beat the Dallas Mavericks. A rare back-to-back road victories for the Warriors. And they are right now the number six seed if the season were to end today. They would be the number six seed and they would take on the Sacramento Kings. Would that be a dream matchup if you are living in Northern California? But the Atlanta Hawks, they blow a 10-point lead. Carl Anthony Towns returns from Minnesota after being injured since November. And even though this was a road game and the Hawks were playing on a back-to-back and I felt like they had no shot at winning this game because of their track record, I still feel that the Hawks, when everybody is playing well, can beat just about anybody. But that's the key. When they get DeJounte Murray back and when... DeAndre Hunter is playing at a higher level. John Collins is the max player he's supposed to be. When Clint Capella starts getting double-digit rebounds and playing defense, that's the Hawks team I want to see in the playoffs, but is going to be a lot tougher because their playoff hopes are slipping away. Toronto and Chicago are right behind them as they are the number eight seed. They would play a Miami team in that play-in game and With Miami, you know that they're going to turn it up in the playoffs because here comes playoff Butler. Here comes Bam Adebayo. Max Struess, who had a huge series against the Hawks last year in the NBA playoffs. These are players that you got to watch out for. I cannot believe how much Miami is underachieved in the regular season because they are a very hot team and they could make a deep run in the playoffs as well. But John Morant returned for the Memphis Grizzlies off the bench. The Grizzlies were able to beat the Houston Rockets 130-125 to at FedEx Forum. 
and John Morant with 17 points. Memphis right now clinches a playoff berth. They are the number two seed. I mean, the typical basketball fan in me wants to see a collision course between Memphis and Denver in the Western Conference Finals. But you know that's not what we're going to get. I think if Kevin Durant comes back for Phoenix, and let's say the Phoenix Suns play Memphis in the second round of the Western Conference playoffs, Phoenix would be the favorite. I mean, that's the impact that KD has. That's the impact that LeBron is going to have when he comes back from his injury and the Lakers, even though they might be a number nine or number 10 seed, they get into this playoffs. I was looking at the regular season for the Los Angeles Lakers. They have an easy schedule. They absolutely have an easy schedule. They could run the table, get a number eight or number seven seed, win a play-in game, and they could be the number seven seed taking on Memphis in the first round. And with a healthy Lakers, LeBron, AD, D'Angelo Russell, and now all of a sudden Austin Reeves is starting to become an offensive option. Who knows what the Lakers can do in the first round of the playoffs? I just don't like that matchup with Denver. All right, the Columbus State baseball team, they get an impressive road victory over West Florida down in Pensacola. Johnny Dow picks up his first victory as a Cougar, and Columbus State is now 21-6 overall, 11-4 in the Peach Belt. Columbus State is going to head home for a three-game series this weekend starting at 6 p.m. Friday, March the 24th at Burger King Stadium at Ragsdale Field, taking on Eckhart College. And this also gives me an opportunity to talk about Columbus State softball because they were featured on WRBL last night. They were dominant, getting the two-game sweep over Miles College, 11 to nothing in both games. Jessica Lopez picked up the victory in Game 2. She is 8-2 and two on the season. And the Lady Cougars softball team is now 21 and 10 overall, while Miles College falls to 11 and 9. They will be back in action for a conference game against South Carolina Aiken this Saturday at 4 p.m. at Cougar Field. Good luck to the Lady Cougars this season. Good luck to the Columbus State Cougars this season. I think it is important to cover these local teams here in the Fountain City because. As I'm strictly a podcast that tries to cover local sports here in Columbus, I also love talking national sports. I like having a mixture of it, but high school football season, my Friday shows are going to be completely dedicated to high school football. I'm going to try to cover high school sports as much as I can on this podcast. And then another team I want to give a big shout out to is the Columbus Georgia Vipers. They are in the Final Four this weekend in Arlington, Texas. They are playing this Saturday at 5 p.m. against the Bombers. If they win that game, the championship game is Sunday at 2 p.m. You can catch these games on PBA TV on YouTube. Good luck to the Columbus Georgia Vipers as they are in the Final Four trying to win their first championship in franchise history. All right, before I get Thrift and Zach on the show, first of all, we did this interview yesterday. I thought it was incredible when you have three broadcast personalities can be lead broadcasters. Zach does play-by-play. Thrift does play-by-play. I do play-by-play. We're all play-by-play announcers. And when you can get all three of us together and do a sports show, it was absolutely fascinating. I love the interview. Uh, You'll listen to that interview after this next break. 
But like Thrift Behringer says, I'm just going to keep grinding. I'm going to keep doing these shows because that's what the listeners want. And I'm just going to continue grinding every day because I love talking about sports. I love sports broadcasting. Been doing it for a very long time. Just took a longer break than usual, most people out there. But uh, that's neither here or there. All right, we're going to be back with Thrift and Zach. You don't want to miss it. Great interview coming your way here on the Sports Beat. We'll be back with a quick commercial break. Welcome back to the show. I am super excited about my next two guests. Thrift Behringer, you know him from Sports Visions, Flavor 92.1, Mondays and Thursdays from 4 to 6. And welcome back to the show, Zach DeBozar. Zach, we miss you in Columbus. How have you been? I know you've been really busy. Yeah. Um, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, yes, I've definitely been very busy. Uh, I work with a company called Learfield now, which is a college sports multimedia giant. Um, they handle many different things about the collegiate sports experience and business. And uh, one of those is radio production and radio distribution, uh, which is where I am fortunate to work right now. That is awesome. Uh, Thrift, uh, I mean, I know that you two have a pretty good relationship. Zach, you've been on uh, Sports Visions. I think I remember your final uh, time at Sports Visions when uh, you were signing off on the broadcast for the Chattahoots for the final time. And Zach, I got to be honest with you, I, I was shocked. I was like, sad to see you go, uh, but I know you're doing great things. Uh, we do have a new announcer, Tom Callahan. He's really picked up the torch. I mean, he's really carried uh, where you left off. And uh, that's great that Ignite Sports, you know, even though we miss you in, in Columbus, uh, you know, the 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 work has to go, come on. It, the work has to continue. Yeah, you know, and that's the mark of a, a really good organization like they got there um, is that, you know, somebody like me or, you know, really anybody. I, I wasn't the first person to leave and I won't be the last person to leave, but um, you know, that business, that corporation, they will still go on and, you know, they're still doing great things. Um, you know, I'm, I won't lie to you. I, I keep tabs on what's going on every now and again, when I get a, a free Friday or Saturday night, I'll, I'll check the fed website, see how Columbus is doing. And, uh, I mean, obviously fans will probably know I did get to fill in one game, um, when Columbus made the trip up to, uh, to Carolina because, uh, Learfield, one of their many offices is hubbed out of uh, Winston-Salem, which is actually where I am. So in a way, I've gone full circle back to Winston-Salem, but no longer with the Thunderbirds, now just with uh, collegiate sports. Yeah, that's fantastic, Zach, and I'm, I'm super happy. And I was glad to hear when we had you on the Sports Vision Show to talk about your future endeavors. But I got to ask you, man, as a, a guy that it, predominantly you're doing Arkansas Razorback games, is that correct? Before I, I, I continue, I want to make sure I'm saying that right. Yeah, so Arkansas, right now my position is that of a studio host, a producer, and a board operator, and my predominant school is Arkansas. Um, funny thing is, is Learfield has many different, you know, properties that they, uh, you know, do work with. In terms of a fill-in basis, whether I'm on air or not, I've actually worked with two dozen different Division One schools uh, so far this year, but... Arkansas is my main one. And then like my secondary one uh, is I help out with uh, Michigan hockey a lot. That's pretty awesome, man. And, and so now you're seeing the Arkansas Razorbacks, you know, making another deep run into the postseason, making to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. Um, football wise, you know, two years ago, I would say the 2021 year was a, a breakout year for Coach Pittman last year. They, they didn't meet up the standards as 
you know, many people had high expectations, maybe a 9-10 win season for Arkansas. They didn't do that. But they're still a really well-run collegiate organization. Um, are, are, are they, you know, starting to grow on you? I, I know you're from the north, so it's, I don't know if you've ever claimed a South Eastern Conference team. I'm guessing that's Arkansas now. <laughs> I mean, I think you would have to say yes. It, it is probably Arkansas. Um, my girlfriend is a, a big Tennessee fan, and obviously I came to this job from half Georgia, half Auburn territory. So it's a very, very weird SEC mix uh, when it comes to me. But, uh, yeah, I would have to say Arkansas is, is definitely, you know, rising up those ranks because of it. And, uh, you know, to your, the point you made about the two uh, major programs in football and men's basketball – you know, they're kind of on the rise. Yeah. Um, it's it's a case where this might be my first year with them, but, you know, just understanding the past and knowing where they were, even when I was back in Columbus, you know, Arkansas wasn't maybe as thought about. And now, you know, uh, the Razorbacks basketball team is one win away from their third straight elite eight and, you know, football they might have gone seven and six, but Sam Pittman's in his third year and has that program moving in good directions. And honestly, I hate to sound like that guy when it comes to, you know, a team season, but honestly, if you get two or three different bounces of the ball in certain games, Arkansas goes from probably a seven and six team to maybe even a 10 and three team. I mean, that's, you you guys know just as well as anybody else, that's how competitive the sec is. So uh, you know, it, it's been very fun. It's been uh, it's been a great experience. I've gotten to know a lot of awesome people uh, with Arkansas and their brand uh, as I am basically finishing up uh, year one of this uh, of this uh, college sports season that I've been doing. Zach, have you had an opportunity to do play by play for for other sports besides hockey? Uh, I have not. Um, the only play by play actually, I really that I've done. Um, is uh, the one Columbus River Dragons game that I filled in on. Otherwise, I'm just doing a lot of studio hosting right now through Learfield. I have gotten to do some uh, public address announcing. The uh, The arena that the Carolina Thunderbirds play out of was hosting a collegiate hockey tournament, um, and I got to do a little bit of PA work there. And um, I've been talking about trying to do some high school football and basketball in this area, potentially uh, come next season, but that's still... A ways out so in terms of me being a play-by-play guy yeah this year wasn't uh what wasn't me being that it, i was in a different role but uh it was it's fun i'm i'm growing i'm learning a lot and you know i was in this role i was in this situation before where you know i might not have a, a team i can call my own as play-by-play but you know i have things that i can work towards and and be a part of something you know kind of bigger than myself and and be a cog in this, you know, big machine that is, whether it's Arkansas or Michigan or any of the other schools that I'm, uh, that I'm working with, it, it's fun on a day-by-day basis. You know, being able to adapt, uh, Zach, is one of the main things to be successful in this industry you have to do. And you have to have one of many hats. You have to be a Swiss Army knife. You have to do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, because you never know where it could take you. Once you could be the play-by-play guy like you talked about, the uh, River Dragons and the Chattahoots, to now look what you're doing and being more of an in-studio host back into production. Who knows three years from now what you could be doing, but you will round it, so that allows more opportunities to do more things, especially staying in the field that we want to stay in. 
But I got to ask you this, Zach, as someone that has been around semi-professional organizations for a long time, we had Scott Brand on the show on Thursday talking about the Chocolat Monsters are now moving from Oxford, Alabama to coming to being becoming the Chattahoochee uh, Monsters. I don't know if you saw this, uh, Zach, and they're going to be mm-hmm. playing at Gold Park and playing a lot of games there between them and the Chattahoochee. So there should be a ton of baseball for you to see if you live in the Columbus area. I don't know, what is the value that these organizations bring to towns like Columbus that are smaller, will never get an opportunity to get a major professional team, and why these towns need to support these organizations? Because it means a lot, not just to them, but to the city as well. Well, I think it's it's a little bit uh, cyclical in its own way that – you know, nobody necessarily needs sports in their town, but people want sports in their town and, and sports want to exist across all sorts of different towns and, and and take many different forms. I mean, if it was just the NFL was the only sports league in America, yeah, you'd have people that'd be diehard for that. But, you know, you're telling me somebody in Columbus, Georgia, yeah, they might be a Falcons fan per se, but you know, what, what's the hyper-local flavor? What, what's the thing that like is right in my backyard that I'm passionate about that, you know, I know the players, maybe I see them out and about and around town that, I don't know, there's something kind of special to it that some people might not get, but overall, I think enough people do and choose to support those teams and they become, uh, and they become great things. I'll give you an example. I went to college in, uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and Grand Rapids is a great minor league city town. They've got uh, they had the Grand, uh, they had the Pistons G League team, but I think it's now the Denver Nuggets G League team. Um, they have the Grand Rapids Griffins, who are the Detroit Red Wings AAA affiliate, essentially, and then they had the West Michigan Whitecaps, a baseball team that were the Tigers affiliate. So they had three sports and they still do as far as I know. And it was, it's always like those, those games are well attended. People talk about them, they get coverage and it's sort of a cyclical thing as people support the local sports teams, the local sports teams sort of support their community. You know, the Falcons, you know, I, I don't know how many times they're going out and doing things that benefit the Columbus, Georgia area, for example. And, and this is not to, to rip on the Falcons per se, because obviously they do a lot of great things in Atlanta. That's their home market. That's their home base. So it's a case where, yeah, it might be small time and, you know, oh, I, I don't really follow that. I don't like it as much, but it does more because it's local and it's impactful to right. you and the places you live. So I, I think that's something that, you know, people, whether they realize it or not, is good for them when they have it. Uh, and yeah, I would hope would choose to support those sorts of things. That's the awesome. Zach, I got to ask you, what is your favorite thing to do in broadcasting? Is it play by play? Is it studio host? Is it podcasting? Is it production? That's that, that's a good question. I still think it is play by play, but I think in this new role and just sort of seeing a lot of the behind the scenes at Learfield and what goes on to actually making and producing uh, a broadcast, I've gotten a lot of appreciation and, and can see the finer parts of, uh, you know, making something really unique and special there. So I, I still think it's play by play, but, you know, to Thrift's point earlier about being well-rounded, you know, I've always kind of considered myself that. And if anything, I might be on my like second or third lap around in terms of being more production based versus being more on air based. Like, 
before I got into pro hockey through Columbus and then Carolina, even before that, you know, I was a, a board operator, a producer in local sports radio, and I did traffic reports up in Lansing, Michigan. So you kind of, I've kind of gone from like being on air in college to being production as a professional to being on air as a professional. Now I'm back in a more production heavy role as a professional, but I've seen the growth that every time I kind of go through those cyclical steps, you know, the stakes and the stage, you know, gets bigger. I mean, it's not like I'm doing play by play for them, but I mean, how many times can you hear, oh, this person was in the Fed, was in a, you know, low tier of professional hockey, and now all of a sudden is heard across the entire state of Arkansas on the Razorback Sports Network. You know, that's that's not something you hear every day. And it's just one of those things where, you know, I see that, you know, being more well-rounded, like Thrift said, g- gets you to places and, you know, you're more uh, desirable in, in a way. So it's, it's been fun from that regard. And it's also been a case where, you know, being being a part of something that's bigger than myself, I've been able to learn a lot of the intricacies that maybe I knew as the play-by-play guy, but now I see kind of how important and how much more heavy lifting they can do when supported properly with a full-on staff. Um, but I think that's the next point, uh, Zach. And we love having our conversations. We talked a lot about SEC and stuff around this area, especially when you were on the Sports Vision show, because that is predominantly what anyone and everyone cares about is mm-hmm. Southeastern sports. So let's dive into a little bit of the NCAA tournament. I don't know how much uh, you, you've gotten into it other than Arkansas, which is a really good team. It's had, it had an inconsistent year, but the talent's there, and they definitely have the talent to line up with anyone in the country and beat them. But you also have Alabama and Tennessee. With the final 16 teams that are still in the NCAA tournament right now, who is your favorite to win it all if you had to pick one? Well, I, from the very start, and I know people in Arkansas won't be happy to hear this if any of them are listening, but I had picked UCLA from the the very get-go as my champion. And obviously they're still alive, so you know I look at them. But here's what's interesting, because they're in the same region as Arkansas. And when you look at the four teams that are out in Vegas right now, Arkansas, UConn, uh, Gonzaga, and UCLA, I mean, that's just a murderer's row of teams. Like whoever's coming out of that region – probably could be considered the favorite just because of the the heavy like battle tested that load that they will have uh, going into Houston in the final four and you know I, I think I say that pretty confidently regardless of if you know a team like Alabama or Houston or even Texas also get through into the final four because those were very strong and, and very good teams in their own right but I mean, this Vegas region is just, it's a gauntlet. And to be honest with you, when you consider that Arkansas only got there because they beat Kansas, I mean, it's crazy to think just how loaded this West region is um, and just how good whoever comes out of this quadrant uh, will be when it comes time to play in Houston in the Final Four. Um, So I still have to ride with the UCLA pick that I made with my uh, initial bracket, but I will say the fact that Arkansas is still alive in the Sweet 16 is is really exciting, not only for me, but I think just for the team in general. I, I think if you'd have asked a lot of Razorback fans before the season, they not only expected to be here, but they expected to be even further. And through a case of injuries and just streaky play and, and just other things happening, uh, you know, they weren't exactly in the place they wanted to be when it came for tournament time and the SEC tournament and the brackets released, but ultimately you just have to make it right. You just have to make the dance and then just, you know, get hot and, 
and, and, and play play as well as you can. And that's what they're doing. Like you said, if they have the talent, they had the second best recruiting class coming into this season. Yeah. They're a really good roster. And, and if you love, uh, you know, crazy coaches that, sh- that literally show every bit of enthusiasm and passion they have, Eric Musselman is your guy. Seems like every time he gets a big time win, he takes his shirt off. So that is a man that is very confident in his body at his age, which more power to him. Cause I don't know at 30, that I would be willing to do that, guys. But still, all in all, he is a great coach. I do got to say, though, um, that UCLA then you were just talking about, Hame Yaquez, Tiger Campbell, Amari Bailey, all these guys are putting up double digits. They're elite scores. Yaquez is potentially in the playing for maybe NCAA Player of the Year this year. The starting guard, forward, 6'7 guy for UCLA. They're also doing this without two elite players, including Jalen Clark, who many say is a top 10 draft pick and the best defensive player in the country. So that's how good UCLA is, that they're still this good and dominant, and they don't even have a full roster. If they did, they would be hands down. For one, they would have been number one seed. They wouldn't have lost Arizona in the Pac-12 championship, and they would be one of my favorites as well. Alabama, another team uh, that's really good. Um, So I'm I'm excited to see how it's going to play out. Richard, how about you? I like the Blue Bloods. I mean, you cannot count out a Michigan State. I know they're a number seven seed, but Tom Izzo knows what he's doing. Uh, Michigan State could go on a run. I think UConn, uh, I know, Zach, they're playing Arkansas next. I mean, UConn Mm -hmm. has been hot at times. Uh, But you look at the teams like Florida Atlantic and Princeton, you know, the Cinderella story is still alive here in, in the Sweet 16. I mean, you know, who would have thought that Florida Atlantic, even though they, they've only lost three games all year, 33 wins, you know, they get out of the bracket pretty much by default because they beat Fairleigh Dickinson. I mean, that's that's really, they got an easier path, but, you know, they're still in this. And then what, what can you say about Princeton? I mean, a number 15 seed. I mean, I can't believe we're seeing another 15 seed make it this far. They could possibly make it to the Elite Eight like what St. Peter's did last season. They definitely could. And, I mean, Princeton, the, the Arizona win, yeah, that was obviously dicey, and that was, you know, obviously a two seed. But, I mean, they handled Missouri. Like, you look at that scoreline, and you're like, wow, it wasn't even close. So, I mean, yeah, you can't at, – at this point, when it comes down to the Sweet 16, you don't really look at, at the seeding anymore. You don't look at what number is next to the name because you fought through two high-profile tournament-style wins to get to where you are. And you got to do two more to get to the final four where you got to do two more to win the whole thing. So once you get out of your first pod, once you're into the sweet 16, I truthfully don't think you really pay attention to seedings too much anymore. Now, that being said, you know, if you're picking Princeton to advance to the elite eight or even final four over Alabama, yeah, that, that's going to be a tougher task. Like there are still favorites and whatnot, but this is not a case of, you know, oh, this team is a 15. There's no way they're going through. Now, you have to give them their shake. They earned their spot here, and uh, it, it's going to be fun no matter what way you, you slice it. I mean, if it wasn't, you know, going back to the West region that Arkansas is in, Arkansas is the only team that's an upset in that region. Everything else is chalk because it's 2-3-4, and Arkansas beat the one in Kansas. So, you know, I don't think that necessarily means Arkansas is the one per se, but it, they get murky. It, it doesn't matter what number is next to your name. The fact is you got there, and you know now each of these teams is four wins away. Zach, uh, let's bring it back to Columbus. I, I know that you miss it. Um, miss the River Dragons. Having a great season. 
Uh, they have the second best record in the Federal Prospects Hockey League uh, behind Danbury. I mean, are you shocked that Watertown is not as good as they were last season? And what does Columbus need to do to hoist that Commissioner's Cup trophy? Well, I mean, first the first question about Watertown, I'm not necessarily shocked per se. I know it sounds weird to say, but um, you know, they went through an ownership change and and there was quite a bit of turnover from that that championship roster, which is something interestingly enough at this level you do see a lot. I would argue one of the reasons why Columbus is so competitive this year is because they didn't win because a lot of guys were so close and were like, all right, I'm coming back. I, I want to do this again. I want to, you know, get that one more goal and hoist that trophy. And whereas Watertown, a lot of those guys won it and they, you know, find and seek and, and make themselves for other opportunities, be it in higher leagues in North America or overseas. So I'm not necessarily shocked by that. That's something I think people see a lot but maybe don't think about until it's their team that's won a championship. Now, as for this year's iteration of the River Dragons, I mean, I feel like they've got a really good mix of, you know, skill and size and grit that, you know, has shown them to be as dominant as they are high atop the standings. I know, you know, they jumped out to a phenomenal start in the first half of the year and it seemed like their lead in their division was going to be insurmountable, but then, you know, other teams, they gel and they figured out along the way. I know Carolina's right there neck and neck with them. And the two Michigan teams, even though they're probably going to end up as three and four seeds in their uh, particular division, are going to be uh, very formidable. They're going to be very tough outs uh, when it comes to playoff time and, and best of three series. So I think ultimately, you know, Columbus, they find a little bit more of that first half magic and really start gelling just as the season's wrapping up, getting into playoff time, you know, they're going to be a force just like they were last year. Zach, I'm not a fan of the one, two playoff format. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know too many people who are, especially when it comes to professional. Um, what's interesting is, is like I help out with uh, Michigan hockey and in the big 10 tournament, the big 10 quarterfinals are best of three. And that's all at one campus site. So Michigan was the two seed. They played Wisconsin, who was the seven seed, all what would be three games, but they only needed two uh, were in Ann Arbor. And a part of me says that might be the better way to do it in terms of travel. But the other part of me as well as professionals, the organizations, they make the playoffs, they want a home game, they want the gate, they want the ticket sales and stuff like that. So there's different you know, metrics and there's different things that are important uh, when it comes to collegiate and pro. And really the whole best of three thing, I mean, it, it unfortunately just comes down to time. You know, I would love if we would do best of seven series. The problem is, is we don't have two months to, to play playoffs. We have a month, you know. If that, so you do have to condense in that particular regard. So I don't know too many people who are fans of, of best of threes, but I mean, it makes it more interesting. It makes it more exciting perhaps than a, than just a one game would when you go the entire way with it. Yeah. And I, I'm excited to see how these, these river dragons, you know, they, they pan out and see if they can win us another championship around the Columbus area. Um, I do have to ask Zach as a guy that keeps up with all things pro hockey, has that been a staple again this year? Have you been able to keep up with it? Who's your favorite to win? I know Richard probably doesn't talk much pro hockey. I know we don't at all at sports vision. So we, we need our daily dosage or weekly dosage or monthly, whatever yearly dosage. Uh, yeah, but, on to the yeah, hockey. 
<laughs> yeah, not since I left. Uh, Sports Vision's lost their hockey analyst. Yeah. So, <laughs> so <we're> um, <laughs> no, uh, right now, I mean, I, I've definitely been able to follow it more. I think that's just a, a case of, you know, me having a little bit more time, uh, right. which is, which is nice. But uh, ultimately I, I think it's Boston and then nobody else, you know, the, the Bruins are on just this historic, just incredible run. I mean, they're trying to break so many different regular season records. You saw how they tooled up at the trade deadline, you know, acquiring like McAvoy uh, or they sent McAvoy out uh, to Minnesota and then they picked up like Tyler Bertuzzi from Detroit. Like they really stacked themselves up to say, Hey, we're doing so good this year. This is going to be a year where, you know, it just feels like they're going to dominate. I mean, the East itself is just so much higher. It feels like than the Western conference. So, if it's not the Bruins, it's going to be somebody in the East. But the Bruins right now seem head and shoulders uh, over everybody else. So that that uh, you know, you look at it in a very chalky way by saying, "Oh, the number one team is going to win the cup." But this is a case where the number one team is just—it's unbelievable how much they are above even the numbers two, three, and four teams. I actually did hear a rumor that uh, the NHL is looking to expand. And it, there's a possibility, and I'm not trying to get everybody's hopes up, uh, maybe the Thrashers could return to Atlanta. I mean, I mean, come on, they, NHL's already failed twice in the city of Atlanta. But, I mean, sometimes people spread these rumors, and, and it could happen one day. Yeah, I don't know. The, the thing about it is, I don't know. There's, there's got to be an appetite two ways for it, right? It, even if there are people that want you know, the NHL back in Atlanta – um, you know, there are still teams in and around the Atlanta area, like the Gwinnett Gladiators. Or I think they're the Atlanta Gladiators now um, in the ECHL. So, you know, there's there's that way to look about it, too, that there is already a double A AA pro hockey team there for one. Uh, but for two is the NHL has got a desire to expand. And what's weird is, is like when you look at it from like a purely numbers and mathematical situation, 32 teams is just such a good number of teams to have, whether it's from division and conference makeup from playoffs, from scheduling, from many different like reasons that 32 is a very good number. And the, the NHL has been through their growing pains. They had 31 teams for a bit. They were at a time a 27 team league and all that. But I think the NFL has kind of shown major leagues that 32 is a good number. And if you're going to jump from 32, I feel like you got to jump in even numbers. So it's going to have to be like Atlanta and then like somebody else, like, like Houston's always been rumor mongered for it or Quebec city. Um, but more so to that point that they wanted, they have to desire to expand. I don't know if they want to do that. It, it feels like it'd be more a relocation situation would be more apt to get teams into markets, uh, that they don't want to be, um, or where they want to be from where they are now, because it just feels like, again, that 32 number is a very good number to be at. And once you strengthen your 32 markets, maybe then you start to look at building it up because I don't know, like you said, Atlanta has had NHL hockey fail twice there. And, you know, you might say what you want about it, but however many times you fail in a city, that's going to make a league gun shy about, you know, 
coming back in. So I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any expansion on the horizon, at least in the next maybe five years. I think it might be relocation rumors more than expansion rumors um, because that 32 number just feels like a solid number to be at. Then you kind of play with that in terms of your, where your, where your pieces land and where they're all based out of to make the league stronger from that point. Yeah. 30, 32. Around that area is predominantly where all major sports are at. Well, Zach, I got to take off. I know you and Richard are still be able to continue to talk. It's always good to hear from you, man. I know I'm going to still try to have you on Sports Visions in the near future, and I hope everything's going well in your life, man, and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, thank you very much, Thrift. I appreciate it. Richard, Thanks, thank you. Thrift. And we'll talk later. Absolutely. Thrift Berenger from Sports Visions, and uh, he's – a weekly guest, and you can catch him on uh, Flavor 92.1 Mondays and Thursdays from 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, Zach, I'm really just excited that uh, you're here on the show uh, talking just the uh, March Madness and uh, hockey, and really, we, we miss you in Columbus. I know that if I know that if you were still in Columbus, I mean, the sky's the limit. I mean, that's what we do is, as broadcasters. We keep on grinding. Yeah, no, we definitely do. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely look back on my time in Columbus fondly. Um, you know, I'm hoping I, I won't make any promises yet, but, uh, you know, as Arkansas baseball goes in the collegiate world series and all that, I'm hoping once that settles down and with the new Chattahoochee monsters team and, uh, in golden park that, you know, maybe I can find my way down to, to catch a game or two and, and, uh, see some old friends, but, uh, you know, right now I'm, I'm definitely staying busy and that's, uh, it's been a lot of fun and, uh, figuring out this new world and uh, new place that I'm in. Zach, really appreciate you being a guest on the podcast. Once again, best of luck to you in the future. And, uh, all I got to say is, uh, go Arkansas rooting for them in the sweet 16 as they take on UConn and, uh, hope that you're able to get whatever you get out of life in, in, as far as your broadcasting career. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, I hope uh, hope some people around Columbus will be watching on Thursday, and uh, they'll know somewhere at a radio producer studio they'll be like, "Yeah, Zach's working hard for that team. Good for him." <laughs> oh, absolutely, uh, Zach DeBozard, everybody. He is the former play-by-play announcer for the Columbus River Dragons, Columbus Chattahoots, and uh, also just a busy guy, just doing a sports talk radio producing. And we dearly miss him in the Fountain City. Thank you, everybody, so much for watching on Facebook Live and listening to another episode of the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Hope everybody has a great rest of your day, and we are out of here. Bye.